Hey, good morning, church. My name is Joe Hess, and I'm the Karen Connections pastor here at South Suburban. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for letting me share the message with you, with you this morning. I um, have to be honest with you this morning. I, I, I struggled starting this message, and, and that spiritual gift of procrastination came shining through. I'm not sure why it was so tough to start. I've got a powerful story. The gospel story this morning that I'm preaching from is a powerful one. It's a, it's a great God story. But I wrestled with just getting started. And for me, sometimes the hardest part about a message is, is that first line, that, that, that first sentence, the opening. Um, and maybe all of us can relate to that in some way. When we start something new, especially something challenging, you know, we, we, we can think about it. We can think about it, but it's a, it's a big click from thinking about it to starting it, that first step. And usually when I, when I start working on a message, when I start fussing with the text, you know, I read the text and I study it, I pray about it, I start writing notes down, but then I, I look at what I have and it's just like a jumble of mess. And if, if I'm honest, I, I, want, I want the messages that I write to be good. And some of that's a pride thing. But some of it, you know, I just, I want it to be impactful. I want it to, to maybe make a difference. I, I want it not to fall flat. And I know part of that is fear, fear of, fear of failing. And maybe for all of us, we can relate to that at some, at, some, at some level. I remember years ago hearing a live recording of a John Denver song. They were working on, on the song, but it was live, and they, were, they had recorded it. And I remember as the guitars are tuning, as they're warming up, one of the guys in the band says, hey, is this practice? And I remember John Denver saying, without missing a beat, it's all practice. And I, I think it's not, it's not a bad philosophy whether we're 10 or 110. You know, um, it's all practice. You know, we're, we're working at it. We're, we're trying to do the best we can until we get it right, until Jesus calls us home. Um, our theme for the next four weeks is about Mary, um, the mother of Jesus. And the title of the series is Mary Did You Know? Um, from the Christmas song of that same name. And Lily Lockyer and Angela Miller, they do a great, we're going to share that song as a part of this message, and they do a great job. And many of you guys know Angela Miller has been part of our praise band forever, and she just does a super job. But Lily, uh, she's a freshman at Regis, and she's come back to help us with this song. Many of us have watched her grow up. Um, she's a teenager, and I'll share a little bit more about that in, in, in a bit. Um, the gospel writers don't share a whole bunch about Mary, even less so about Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. But we know this about Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was there at the beginning, that first day, that Christmas day. And per John's gospel, Mary was there at the end, at the foot of the cross, when Jesus died. And we know a lot happened between um, Christmas and Good Friday and Easter. A lot happened. Um, the gospel story we'll be looking at for these next weeks before Christmas, this, this time of Advent, this time of preparation, preparing for that first coming, but also Jesus' second coming. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, starting with the 26th verse. And if you have a Bible handy, I'll ask you to turn to that. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. As you guys are turning to that story, let me give, just give you just a little backstory. Many scholars believe that Mary was just a kid, barely a teenager, 13, 14 years old, maybe 15 years old, when the story begins to unfold in her life. And God sends an angel to Mary uh, by the name of Gabriel. And this angel Gabriel shares this powerful message, this announcement. In churchy language, sometimes we call it uh, the Annunciation. And I'm not exactly sure how angels appeared to folks back then, but it seemed to happen regularly, didn't it? And let's use our imagination if you will. If you'll imagine with me, there's a knock on the door.
However it happened, however the angel Gabriel showed up to Mary that day, Mary's life would never be the same again. Her focus may have been scattered before the knock on the door, maybe like my, my messages sometimes. Maybe she was putting something off. Maybe she was procrastinating about starting something new. Maybe she was dreaming about her boyfriend, Joseph. And then came the knock on the door. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, first chapter, starting with the 26th verse. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This next part is where Pastor Ike will pick it up next week, but I just want to include this next part to help give the story some context. And Mary asked the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be unable to conceive. And she is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be, may your word to me be fulfilled. She says yes. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. after the angel Gabriel spoke with her. The gospel text, these few verses are loaded with stuff, stories behind the stories. I don't know if you guys remember uh, the Tom Hanks movie, Apollo 13. There's a line in there, Houston, we have a problem. It's this huge understatement. These words by Luke, they are a huge understatement. Um, The text starts out in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Who's this Elizabeth? And somehow somehow related to Mary. And then who's this angel, Angel Gabriel? Angel Gabriel, he's got a pretty important role, this announcement that God is breaking into the world. And and Nazareth, this this podunk town in Galilee, what's so critical about this little town? Or is it really some fulfillment of a long ago prophecy? 
And remember one of Jesus' Jesus's first followers, when he learns that Jesus is from Nazareth, the, the follower says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And here's what, here's what I believe Mary knows. There's an angel at the door, and the angel opens a conversation with these words. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And if you grew up Catholic, you have these words memorized. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And the story says Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. We all know it can be really scary when God comes close, when God breaks into our lives. Fast forward to near the end of Jesus' life. Jesus begins to tell his disciples, his closest friends, that, that he's going to leave them. And, and, and he begins to tell them how this is going to unfold. And they, they can't get their heads or, or hearts around this. And Jesus talks about this, about troubled hearts. Jesus says, do not, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't lose heart. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't lose heart. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hands? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? point in the story Mary did not understand any of this the angel Gabriel tells Mary not to be afraid we do know this the angel calls Mary by her name and there's power in using someone's name when we call someone by their name and not just because there's a name tag we call someone their name when I was a kid uh, in third grade I got hit by a car and, and I'm exaggerating the hit by the car part. Really, I ran into the car. But it sounds better when I say I got hit by a car and I was on a bicycle. Uh, but I remember as people are coming to, um, to help me afterwards, um, one of our, our neighborhood postmen came to me and said, Son, son, what's your name? Son, what, what's your name? I said, Joe. And he said, Joe, we're here. We're going to help you. We're going to get through this. And, and I, 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 was, I was in shock, and I was um, hurt pretty badly, but he, this man who called me Joe, calmed me down. The power, the power of calling somebody by name. Sleeping child, you're holding. 
Mary didn't know any of this. How, how could she? We know it in part because we've, we've heard the story, read the story. There's a line in the song that says, Lord of all creation. You know, Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel, they, they both share the Christmas story, different parts of it, but they both share the Christmas story. Mark's gospel, it starts with Jesus as an adult. It doesn't mess around with Jesus in the early days. But John's gospel, John's gospel starts this way. This is John's gospel, first chapter, first verse. In the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Capital W word. Um, he was with, he, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through him, through him all things were made. You and me and the mountains and the stars, double stuff Oreos, everything. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know? The word became flesh, John's gospel says, and dwelt among us. Incarnation. God, the son of Jesus, became one of us, took on human form and became just like us. Tempted in every way just like us, but without sin. Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that knock on the door... And the word shared with you by the angel Gabriel would change your life forever. Did you know that? Maybe. What would Mary have known? What, what would she have known about the Messiah that her family and her community, or her, her church community were waiting for? Would she have known the words from the prophet Isaiah? The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would she have known that text? Would a young Jewish girl have heard those words before? Maybe. What do you think? Would she have grasped that day that she was going to play a part in this Messiah story? Would she, have, would she have known the knock on the door? The words that would have followed. Mary, did you know that knock on the door would not only change your world, but the whole world? Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mary, did you know, did you know that? Of course not. Not even near the end of the story. After Jesus went to the cross, most of the folks weren't getting any of that. It just didn't make sense. Not even after folks heard of the rumors that first Easter, Jesus dead, 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 but now somehow alive. And Mary, Mary, those two men walking to Emmaus that first Easter near dusk when asked by Jesus, your baby boy, all grown up and resurrected like, but not recognized, when Jesus asked them what they were talking about, they stopped. Stuck in their grief, they were so sad and hurting after seeing what had happened to their friend, Jesus. Are you the only one that doesn't know? We're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. And then the chief priests and the churchy folks and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him, hung him on a cross, a Roman cross. But we had hoped that he was the one. We had hoped that he was the one that was going to save us, that he was going to redeem us, that he was going to redeem Israel. Mary, you probably knew this. Your people, they were looking for an earthly king who would lead them back, lead Israel to the top. They were not looking for a heavenly prince, the prince of peace that would lead them back to God, to Yahweh, to the great I Am. Mary, did you know 
Mary, did you know how much your life was going to change? That knock, that knock on the door. And all that would follow. The baby bump, people talking. <laughs> Looky there. She used to be such a good kid. I thought, her, I thought her parents had raised her right. Folks can be so cruel sometimes. And I'm sure she heard the whispers. She watched how they treated her differently now with dis- disdain and disgust or at best with avoidance. These were her people. And they began to push her away. Even her beloved Joseph. Joseph's own struggle with Mary's pregnancy. Mary, did you really think this through before you said, before you said yes? A good friend would say that, right? Mary, did you really think this through? And a parent might counsel her daughter the same way. Mary, 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 Mary. Please, please reconsider this for your sake, for our sake. Could Mary have said no? In hindsight, as Mary was beginning to raise this boy and realizing who Jesus was and what he was all about, was she second-guessing herself? If you remember early on in the story, soon after Jesus' birth in a manger and the shepherds show up that night, the story says that Mary treasured up these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. But if you read the gospel, the later parts of Jesus' story, if you read it from Mary's perspective, from a parent's perspective, some of it's really, really hard to do. Could we have said these words? Could we have said what Mary said? I am the Lord's servant. May your words to me be fulfilled. Sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus. Those are hard words to say. This young girl was echoing the same words that Jesus would would say in the garden that night he was arrested. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Knock comes on our door. The voice of God speaks to our hearts. God asks us through through an angel or a dream or a whisper or a friend to do something that's a little outside of our comfort level. And our first thought, our instinct, our reflex is to say no, 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 and no. And we say that with our words or we can say it with our actions. Nope, not going to do it. No way, no how. But the knock is persistent. In my story, it wasn't a knock, a knock on the door or an angel. It was my good friend Gary Knudsen, a youth pastor, uh, maybe the oldest youth pastor on record. Um, he's my age, and it was a phone call. I was driving on I-70 between Grand Junction and Rifle. I was working as an engineer. Some of you guys know the story. I, I had worked as a pastor for 10 years, and then a good friend of mine, a business partner, was killed, and the folks in the business asked me if I would come back. And I said, I'll, I'll come back for a little while just to help you guys out. But I got sucked into the work, and I was pretty good at it, and we were successful, and I didn't know if I would ever come back to, to be a pastor again. And Gary, out of the blue, calls me, and he says, he asks me, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm driving on I-70 from Grand Junction to Rifle, but that was not the question he was asking me. He knew me as a pastor, and he was really asking me, why are you doing engineering? Why are you doing that work? You need to be a pastor. You're a knucklehead if you're not a pastor. He didn't say those words, but his tone said that. This is your calling. We need you. You are good at this. Stop messing around and come back and do what you were made to do. Mary, did you know? Such a simple question with so much stuff to unpack underneath. Words from this song. Mary, did you know your baby boy was 
was to come to make us new. Mary, did you know this child you've delivered will soon deliver you? Mary, did you know your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Mary, did you know your baby boy, the Lord is the Lord of all creation, heaven's perfect lamb, the great I am, Yahweh. Mary, did you know? We've all probably heard somewhere along our journey, all questions, all questions are welcome here. There are no dumb questions. The only dumb question is the one that's not asked. And I've probably shared those same words myself in some context. But we all know sometimes the questions that are on our hearts, the hard questions, the potentially embarrassing, embarrassing questions don't get asked. For whatever reason, we're afraid to ask. We're afraid sometimes because we don't want to hurt someone. Everyone else seems to get this. and I don't, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to ask that question. Tuesday, a week ago, some of us finished up a six-week Zoom class on pastoral care. And the subtitle of the class was, How Do We Walk With Folks When Life Kicks the Snot Out of Us? And this last night of the class, the subject was suicide. How to, how to help prevent suicide and how to walk with folks who have lost loved ones to suicide. Tough stuff, hard stuff, but real stuff. And at the end of the class, we asked if there were any questions or final thoughts. And I asked the folks the stories I'm going to share. I asked them if it, was, if it was okay to share the story, and they all said yes. Mona Estelle, my ministry partner uh, for the last four-plus years and a, and a friend of mine on staff, she was taking the class, and she asked th this tough question, the question that begged to be asked. And Mona, Mona didn't ask me or Mary Ellen Blatchford, who was leading the class. Mary asked one of her fellow students the question. One of the students in the class, Mary Bright, uh, Debbie Brightcruz, and some of you know this, she lost her son Evan to suicide just six months ago, back in May. And Debbie is dripping with authority on this subject of suicide. She has shmika, lots of shmika, and it's raw, but it's real. And Mona asked this, Debbie, Debbie, can you help us? Can you help me? I don't know what to say to, uh, to you or to others when these kind of things happen. Through tears, Mona asked Debbie, help us, help me. Help me know what to say, what not to say. Help us be better at this. And Debbie, and Debbie shared with us. And I, and I want to say, there, Debbie's countenance changed when Mona asked that question. She, she, she lit up in some real way as she began to share with us what's been hurtful and what's been helpful. And I believe when Mona asked that question to Debbie, Debbie was honored. And we honored Debbie, we honored Evan through that question. Debbie shared that she loves when we ask her about Evan. She's been to some social gatherings where folks are afraid to even mention the name Evan. And most of us, if we're honest, we would shy away from that question because we don't know, we don't want her, we didn't want her to feel bad. But Debbie says she loves when we ask her about Evan. It has hurt her in some settings when the question doesn't come up and it's there hanging in the room. It's the elephant in the room that everyone is avoiding. Debbie shared with us. These are the things she wished people would say. Debbie, what makes you smile when you think of Evan? What was Evan's favorite meal? I know it wasn't SpaghettiOs. What do you miss most about Evan? 
Paula Cook also in this Zoom class, she, Paula Cook looks over to Debbie Square and talks directly to Debbie and says, I wish I had, I wish I had taken this class before I, before I invited you over to the house for coffee right after Evan was killed, when Evan died. That time I had you over for coffee, I didn't bring up Evan not just once. I'm sorry. I didn't know, I didn't know how to, and I'm sorry. Grace requested by Paula, grace extended by Debbie, grace received. Good church right there on a Zoom call, and we got to witness it. Mary, did you know? The question Mary asked the angel Gabriel after the knock on the door was, how will this be? It doesn't make any sense. And the angel Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It's the only way big stuff happens. It's the only way God stuff, real God stuff works. But you have to allow the Holy Spirit in. You have to say yes. I believe in my heart of hearts, a life can be changed sometimes by the question that is asked. I want to throw this question out to you guys. And maybe it's a, quest, maybe it's a challenge more than a question. How do we do church? How do we do good church in the midst of all that's happening around us? We can all name a list of things. Things happening around us, things happening to family members, things happening to friends, things happening to our neighborhood, things happening to us. A pandemic that seems out of control again. Folks losing jobs or forced to to take um, um, furlough or to start over. Folks we know or folks who know folks getting really sick, some of them dying. Political and social unrest, wildfires that have scorched sacred places like Rocky Mountain National Park. Darkness, and not just a spiritual or emotional darkness, but just a general darkness, a malaise, a heaviness. People angry, people looking for a fight. Thanksgiving get-togethers canceled or postponed. A wedding in my family, Cindy and I and our kids, we watched my niece get married on Zoom the first part of November. That's not how we all planned it. My dad's 90th birthday was supposed to have a real big family reunion um, this past July, postponed until this is all over. Almost two weeks ago now, my wife and I, we went for a, a walk right at dusk, back when the weather was so nice. And we were amazed at how many folks had their Christmas trees up and their Christmas lights on. I used to think, no way, you can't, you can't do any of that before Thanksgiving. I believe all of us are looking forward to the hope and the promise of Christmas this year. Here's my question to you guys. Here's my, here's my challenge. Here's the knock on the door or your heart. In the midst of this dark season, as a church In the midst of this dark season as a church, are we going to just give up and turn out the lights? Or are we going to shine like we've never shown before? Even if we can't be here in this place, in this building, in this sanctuary. Are we willing to step up as a church family this Christmas season and make a difference? Here's my thought. Here's my my plea. We all live near someone. We all have a neighbor or two or three, whether we live in Littleton or Englewood or Lone Tree, 
whether we're in an apartment or even a hospital bed, whether you live in a retirement community or a gated community, we all, we all have neighbors. Some we know, some we don't know. Pick one or two or five and go love on them this Christmas season. Go be Jesus to them. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Reach out to them in some real way. Socially distanced, of course, with masks on, but with no agenda. No agenda other than to say to them, Merry Christmas. We're grateful you live near us. We're grateful you're part of our lives. We're grateful that you live in our neighborhood. I shared this with some of you um, before. Since COVID, since, since, um, since COVID hit March, Cindy and I have been getting together Monday nights in our driveway at 5 p.m. with our neighbors. Um, sitting far apart with masks, lawn chairs, and a variety of drinks, kids and adults, happy hour we call it, Diet Cokes, um, Trulies, maybe a Bud Light. And you know, we, we look forward to that, that, that hour on Monday nights. It was a happy hour. Kids look forward to it too. I don't think, you know, three-year-olds should know about a happy hour, but they, our, our neighbor kids know about it. And we got to really know them. We got to walk with them. We got to pray with them through stuff. We got to talk about God and church. New neighbors moved in and we invited them in too to our happy hour. We had this trunk retreat right here at this church. Our neighbors with kids came. So cool. Since November 1st, when we set the clocks back, we've shut down happy hour for the season. And with the threat of COVID kicking our tails, we've been avoiding any type of social gathering inside folks' homes. Okay, Cindy and I, if we're going to challenge our church to love on our neighbors, how are we going to love our neighbors too? What's that going to look like for us? Two of our neighbors, they have little kids and both parents work. Cindy and I were saying, how can, how can we help these guys out? For our little part, we're going to make a meal for them. It's not a big deal. And not to brag, but I make a really mean lasagna. Nothing special. I just follow the directions on the side of the lasagna box. We'll make a salad and get some fresh bread. And Cindy will make some cookies or some brownies. And we'll bring dinner over for them for that night. And we'll tell them, we love you guys. And thank and thank them for being in our lives. Merry Christmas. And you can do it like that, or, or you can leave a note, or have one of your kids uh, color a drawing for them. Or if a neighbor maybe has just lost a, a loved one, maybe just make time to ask them this simple question. How, how, is this, how is this time for you? How is this Christmas season for you? Just do something for them. And wish them a Merry Christmas. You go be a light in him. And Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light broke into our world that first Christmas. We're called to shine that light until Jesus comes back again. A few years ago, somebody gave me this, this devotional by Alan Wolfelt, uh, a daily devotional. It's, it's really geared towards folks who are grieving. But, but on, on, on November 30th, tomorrow, this is, this is the challenge from the devotion, uh, November 30th. Um, and, and it's really geared towards folks who are grieving and, and struggling through the loss. But, but I think it applies to all of us. And at some level, because of COVID, because of all the stuff that's going on, we're all grieving at some level. But, but the challenge was this. You have not lived a perfect day until you do something for someone that can never pay you back. And, and the power of doing something for other can be a, be, be a way to turn away from our grief and toward, turn towards something else, to be that light. And remember this, folks. 
Nothing, nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in and through Christ Jesus. Nothing, not angels, not demons, not heights or depths, not COVID, not wildfires, nothing. Nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in and through this Christ Jesus. Mary, 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 did you know? She didn't, she didn't, but she trusted the one who did know, and she said yes. As the Lord tugs on your heart this Christmas season, say yes, and reach out and love one another and love on your neighbor. Say yes, and then follow through on that yes. I can't wait to hear the stories. God loves you guys, and I do too.